Well, hello, 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 hello. So good to have you here again with us and hoping that everything is going well. I I hope that uh, you've had a wonderful week. I hope that things have been prosperous for you and that you are experiencing good health. I hope that you also will have that desire to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn from him. It's, it's amazing that it really does take our will. That we have a will to sit and learn of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's amazing today how many of us don't want to really sit and learn and take time to learn. But I pray that that is something that you would desire to do. To spend a little time in the Word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. And that's what we're hoping that's going to take place here. That uh, it would not be Pastor Brown teaching, but the Holy Spirit teaching you and giving you insights and uh, opening your minds to what the Word of God says. And that's the purpose of Scripture. The Scripture is to discover and to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So we're discovering the wisdom, the knowledge that flows through the Scripture as the Holy Spirit has written for us that we might learn and that we might be pleasing unto God. And I want you to understand something, and you may already understand it, but our whole purpose of living is to please him, not self, but him who gave us life. And I want to encourage you as we go through this time of learning of the Holy Spirit and the working of the Holy Spirit in our life, that you would see that the Spirit has really one purpose, to draw us closer to Jesus Christ and understanding of this Savior of this Lord, of this Redeemer, of the one who gave his life that we might have life, the one who became sin for us, that we might have the privilege of not tasting the depth of sin, for he took that upon himself, and that we would be a people who live holy unto a living God. Well, how about we get ready to get started here? And I, I'm still on the subject of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And uh, there's not many more fancy titles I don't think I can come up with, but just that simple area. Jesus and the Holy Spirit or the work of the Spirit in the life of Jesus, what extends then over into our life the work of the Spirit. So we're going to be looking at that. So let's pray and we'll get started. Father, thank you and praise you, Lord, for the wonderful, wonderful opportunity that you give unto us to learn of thee. Thank you, Lord, for the teacher, the Holy Spirit, in which you have given unto us, and the Holy Spirit who is able, Lord, to speak to every heart that hears these words today. And we pray, Father, that many might hear. We don't know who the listening audience might be, but you know. And my prayer is, Lord, that you would open their eyes, open their ears. May their heart be ready to receive as the Holy Spirit ministers to them. Thank you for all those who would listen. And may, O oh God, your Holy Spirit exalt that name of Jesus above all else. And thank you, Lord, for the privilege that you grant unto us who impart your word. It is a privilege, but, Lord, we're only instruments. And may you use this instrument to glorify yourself. And we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what we need to understand and what I'd like to share with you is simply this. 
No ministry is effective or can truly glorify the Lord Jesus Christ without the working of the Holy Spirit being involved in it. And Jesus Christ, if he had need of the Spirit, and I know um, for some people they may not like that word, that Jesus would have need of the Spirit? Yes. Because he surrendered himself totally to the will of the Father to take on this bodily form, this fleshly form, and to become as we are. And to allow the Holy Spirit to lead him and guide him in all the works, all the miracles, all that he would say, to allow the Holy Spirit to play his part through his life that we might learn how we ourselves must yield to the Holy Spirit if Jesus is going to be lifted up and glorified in our lives. Now, that's hard for a lot of us to really even come to a point to imagine that I need the Holy Spirit to guide me in ministry. I can just do it. No. You can do it, but it will have little effect, if no effect at all. We can do a lot of things in the flesh. We can do a lot of things in our own strength. But we need to understand, for it to have an effect that is going to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, it has to be done in the Spirit. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Because I think we need to look at that based on the very fact that ministry has a purpose. And that purpose is to glorify God. The ministry that the Lord Jesus Christ had was to also glorify God. And we need to understand that. That he was not here to glorify himself, as the Holy Spirit is not here to glorify himself. But he is here to bring glory to his Father. And to make known the name of his Father. Now, before you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and verse 31, I want you to go to St. John with me. Listen to what Jesus says in chapter 17. It says in verse 1, After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. Jesus' purpose was to glorify God and bring attention to his heavenly Father. You also see that in Matthew 6, when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. And Jesus starts, our Father. Because he pointed to who? The Father, not to himself, but to the Father. And Jesus said, all that I teach cometh from the Father. Jesus' purpose was to glorify the Father. The Holy Spirit's purpose glorified Jesus Christ, who glorifies the Father. Now, he says, Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. 
Now this is eternal life. Now catch that. This is eternal life. That they may know you. Now understand something. The only way that you can know the Father is through Jesus Christ. And oftentimes we want to find some other way and there is no other way. And therefore Jesus says in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except what? Through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. And in 17, he again he says, For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to those you have given him. Now this is eternal life. That they know, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That they may know you. And Jesus is here to glorify the Father. And whenever you're going to lift somebody else up, whenever you're going to praise somebody else, when you're going to focus the light on somebody else, guess what? It cannot be about you. It cannot be about you. And Jesus teaches us that lesson. That is not about him. It was about his father. The Holy Spirit teaches us that lesson. It's not about the Holy Spirit. It's about Jesus. And he says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31. I want you to follow me through this. Um, we're going to go through verse 33. But follow me with this. He says, so whatever you eat or drink, and he boils it down eating and drinking here, but he's going to take it further. So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do. Now the whatever you do goes past now the eating and drinking. Whatever you do. Do it all for the glory of God. Do it all for the glory of God. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And that's what Jesus demonstrates through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we are to demonstrate also through the power of the Holy Spirit. So whether, for, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, that's beyond now the eating and drinking, whatever you do. Maybe you're just the janitor. Maybe you're the grass cutter. Maybe you're the person who cleans the restrooms. Maybe you're the person who does the most littlest job, the job that doesn't mean very much to other individuals. Uh, they want something greater. It's, it's amazing that everybody wants all these gifts, but I never heard a person praise God that they have the gift of helps. It's one of those gifts that people don't really seek for or desire. We want uh, the gift of prophecy, and we want the gift of preaching, and we want the gift of tongues, and we want the gifts of word of knowledge. But I've never heard of people, anyone say, Lord, thank you for the gift of helps. One of many gifts is small. It doesn't mean anything. But let me share this with you. Without people helping, I don't care how great a speaker you are, Billy Graham could not have been a Billy Graham all by himself. It took a lot of people that never received any recognition to pull off some of the crusades, 
that took place with Billy Graham. Even today, with a John MacArthur, with David Jeremiah, a Charles Stanley, none of these things that we see these men on stages, on TV, big rallies, could really take place without people using their gift of helps to help in every area of ministry that is needed to take place before they're ever seen. You need to understand that. There's always a lot of people behind you that put you on the stage. We're not in a big church. We're not in the smallest church either. But at the same time, I recognize I could not do what I do on a Sunday morning if it were not for other people using their gifts of helps to bring about the services that come about. And we need to just recognize that, that it takes other people. And he says then, so whatever you do, whether you eat, drink, whatever you do, do it for this purpose, for the glory of God. Whether you're sweeping the floor, cutting the grass, whether you're washing the dishes, whatever you do, whether you're preaching, teaching Sunday school, uh, whatever it is, have the attitude that you're going to do it for the glory of God. And therefore, you're going to give it your best. You're going to give it your all. Because you're going to glorify God. Now, follow me a little further in verse 32. Do not cause anyone to stumble. In ministry, the goal is not to cause people to stumble, not to, to belittle people, not to uh, take from people, but to encourage and build up people. To edify those. To bring them to a new height. And he says, don't cause anyone to stumble. So when ministry is taking place, ministry is not to belittle people or to shoot people down, but it is for the purpose of lifting people up. And he goes on and he says, whether Jew, Greek, now listen to this, or the church, those members of the church, we are to edify one another. We are to build up one another. We are to encourage one another. Don't become a stumbling block. And in churches today, there's a lot of people who get in the way of other people growing in Christ. More people sometimes are chased away from the church over a thing called control. That a few people want to control their church. And nobody else can get in there and really do anything as well as they do. And always remember this. God is always sending people into the church. Preparing them to take the place of somebody who's already in office. Yeah, you may have been in that office for 10 years and you don't want to give it up. You're irreplaceable. Not in God's eyesight. I'm replaceable at any moment, any time. And God is the one who will set that time and that order. Because there's nobody in church that is irreplaceable. That God is always preparing a ram in the bush to come in and take your place. And he says, don't be a stumbling block, even to those who are in the church, that Christ is sending into your church. Don't be a stumbling block to them. Help them to grow. Help nurture them. Help them to hone their skills. Help them to become better and more mature Christians. Help them to understand Scripture. God has placed them in your midst 
Not for you to tear them down. Not for you to chase them away. Not for you to chastise them. But to encourage them. To truly minister to them. To build them up. But too many of us as churches, we have the reputation of only accepting, quote-unquote, certain type of people in our midst. And the church ought to be a welcoming place for everybody, even those who are gay, lesbian, or whatever, because they have to learn that they were not born that way. They have to learn what scripture says about them. They have to learn that they can change and they can be pleasing in God's sight. They have to learn it. Now, he says, don't be a stumbling block to the Jews, Greeks, or the church of God. Even as I try to please everybody, you're not going to always please everybody. But put an effort in doing so. Many of us we don't care if we're pleasing to somebody else or if somebody don't like me and that's become a favorite thing. Well, they can like it or leave it. Uh, they can lump it or whatever. But the thing is, is this. That should not be your intention to cause people to be uncomfortable around you. And you don't care or you have an attitude that it don't matter how other people feel about you. Our goal as believers ought to be trying to please as many people as we can. Now, I'm not trying to say that we go way out of our way. We do stupid, dumb things trying to please people. But we do those things that shows respect to another human being, no matter where they might be on life scale. That we show them a respect and a sincere love because Christ died for them. And he says, for I am not seeking my own good. Understand that? You're not seeking to be praised. You're not seeking to be lifted up. The Lord says, if you humble yourself under his mighty hands, he'll lift you up in due time. He's the one who raises us up to a new height and a new level. He says, I'm not doing the things that I do that I might be seen and lifted up. No, I do what I do to glorify God. And he says, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Every time a person is saved, is to the glory of God. We have to understand that. Every time a person's life is changed, even in an immature Christian, when his life is changed and there becomes a deeper understanding of who Jesus is and Lord of their life, and they are surrendering more of their life to him, that's to the glory of God. That's to the glory of God. It's not what man does. Man is only an instrument used in the hands of God to help form and shape other individuals. Somebody helped form you. Somebody helped shape you. Somebody helped develop your mind for the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody else who is not looking or seeking their own good, but you're good. You're good. Because they wanted you to live such a life that it glorifies their God. And they wanted to live such a life that it glorifies God. Now you say, well, what do all that have to do with Jesus? The thing is simply this. For whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Now we have to ask this question. Did Jesus do everything in his life? As he started his ministry, especially, did he do it all for the glory of God? And if so, then, how was that done? Why don't you go Matthew chapter 4, 1 with me. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1. And then we're going to go look at Luke 
0.41. And I think we'll see a little difference. And then we're going to see a little difference in also what Luke gives us. Just a little bit more information than Matthew. And it's not that it's more. Each man is given what they see. And the Holy Spirit allows them to record that. How they saw this person, Jesus Christ. And he uses each one of their testimonies in a sense. That we can be taught about this person, Jesus. Now, in Matthew 4, in verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit. Once you catch that. Now, Jesus was led by the Spirit in 4.1. It wasn't Jesus, in a sense, ideal to just go out into the wilderness or go out and be tested in the desert. He was led by the Spirit. Remember, Jesus took on human flesh. He took on this body that we're in, that new hunger and a new pain and new thirst and a new rejection. Uh, uh, he took on this element, what we call man. And he was like us in every way, Scripture tells us in Hebrew. Now, it says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit. How should we live? We should live in such a way that we are led, how? By the Spirit. We are led by the Spirit, not by the flesh, not by our lusts, but by the Spirit. Romans 8 is a good chapter to really read about being led by the Spirit. But he, but he says here, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted. Now we got to ask the question, why would Jesus, who is God, have to be tested? And that's what the scripture says. That he's led into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Why would the devil try to tempt God? Well, remember, Jesus is in this human form. And he says, And fasting forty days and forty nights. Now listen to this little phrase. He was hungry... God being hungry? Yes. Jesus has laid his what? His divinity and his power, as we talked about last week in Philippians 2. He has laid his godly powers to the side. And now he is dependent upon the Holy Spirit. And when you and I accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. We no longer depend on ourselves. He said unto his disciples, It is expedient for me to go that the Holy Spirit might come. And the Holy Spirit, according to Acts, was promised unto us. The Holy Spirit is promised unto us and even unto our children. Why? Because you cannot live this Christian life without the indwelling Holy Spirit empowering you to do so. And yes, you're going to be tested in many ways. You're going to be tried in many ways. And the enemy, Satan, is going to tempt you in many ways. But the only way you overcome it is through the power of the Holy Spirit ministering to you. Only through the power of the Holy Spirit ministering to you. And he said, then Jesus was led by the Spirit. That's the part I want you to really focus on for a moment. Now let's go over to Luke chapter 4. Because they're both sharing with us the same story. But Luke just gives us just a little bit more information. Matthew doesn't say from where Jesus was coming from, in a sense. But um, 
he allows us to know that he's leaving the Jordan and he's going somewhere in Luke. And that Jesus, he's going to be baptized. Many of you know the story of the baptism and that the Holy Spirit came and landed upon Jesus like a dove. But listen to what it says in Luke now. Chapter 4, 1, different a little bit than what Matthew 4, 1 said. He was led into the desert. But I want you to look at 4, 1 first at this point. Look what he says, 4, 1. Jesus full of the Holy Spirit. Matthew doesn't tell us that. He tells, yes, he was led by the Spirit. But after the baptism, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan, returned from Jordan, and was led by the Spirit. Now being led by the Spirit. But he is what? Full of the Spirit. And then if you really look at uh, chapter 3 and verse 21, because he says he is returned from the Jordan. Well, where is he going? Look up in 21. Uh, 3, 21, he says, When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was open, and the Holy Spirit descended on him bodily, from in a bodily form like a dove. Catch this. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now, look at verse 23. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old. Now catch this. For 30 years, he lived really much like we do in everyday life. Wake up, go to work, be obedient to the law, do the things you are supposed to do daily. But after 30 years, he left his trade of carpentry or whatever work. Some people said carpentry was something else other than a carpenter. But he says... At 30 years old, when he began his ministry, it marks the point, the time in which Jesus starts his ministry, 30 years old. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph. But he is what? The son of God. The son of God. Now, I want you to just hold where you are in Luke chapter 4. I want you to run back to Matthew chapter 3. And I want you to look at verse 13. Because remember, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. He returned from the Jordan. Well, where was he going? Look at Matthew chapter 3 and verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan. Jesus came from where? Galilee to the Jordan. Where was Jesus returning? He's returning to Galilee. And the Spirit then led him into the desert. But he's full of the Holy Spirit. He is full of the Holy Spirit. And he is led by the Spirit. And he is starting his ministry. And he is full of the Spirit. He is starting his ministry. And the Father says, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And he identifies his Son to John the Baptist by allowing the Holy Spirit to descend in the likeness of a dove. 
The dove was not the Holy Spirit per se, but in the likeness of the dove to indicate that God has allowed Jesus the man to be filled with his spirit, the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus is being led into the desert and this wilderness. Why? Let's read just a little bit of this and I want you to take hold of something. Jesus is now dependent upon the Holy Spirit. In this ministry that he is undertaking, he cannot do it in the weakness of the fleshly man that he is. And therefore he is filled with the Spirit of God to undertake the task that has been assigned to him. Now, it says that he was hungry and it allows us to know that that he was hungry because he had been in the desert for 40 days and he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing. He ate nothing during those days. So for 40 days, Jesus is without food for 40 days. And Satan comes and Satan's going to tempt him that he would use his powers that he has put to the side to be able to nourish himself. Now, see, you and I, I have problems sometimes with these people who want to talk about you can speak things into being. If I could speak things into being, Elaine would never go grocery shopping. I would speak and those groceries would be on the dining room table, the kitchen table. They'd be in our kitchen. I would just speak it and they would be there. In this thing of Christianity, we come up with some off-the-wall things that we cannot really concretely show it in Scripture. When the prophet spoke, he spoke the Word of God. It is the Word of God that comes true. Not your words, but the Word of God. Why? God said, my Word will go out and it will accomplish what I desire. And it will not return to me void or empty. It will fulfill God's desire, God's will. When his word goes out, not mine, his. And Jesus now is the only supposed to speak and the stones would turn into bread. Well, understand this. You and I can't do that. And because we cannot do it, he would not do it. To demonstrate the power that the Holy Spirit is able to strengthen and keep you. That the Holy Spirit is able. And therefore he says. He ate nothing during those days. And at the end of them. He was hungry. So it identified. This human. Pain. This human desire to eat. So the devil in verse 3. The devil's come along. And the devil said to him. If you are the son of God. Tell these stones. To become bread. Well God could do that. God could turn the stones into bread. But mindful now. Jesus has laid his deity. And his power. Off to the side. 
And he has taken on this human form, this this fleshliness of man. And if he would have did that, you and I would have an excuse of why we sin because we're not like Jesus and we're not Jesus. But because he didn't do it, And his dependency was upon the Holy Spirit to take care of him. You and I have no excuse. For the same Spirit, Scripture says, the same Spirit that was in Jesus is in us. The same Spirit that was in Jesus lives in us. Now, somebody's going to be asking the question, well, if the same Spirit is living in me that was living in Jesus, why aren't I doing the things of Jesus? Understand this. You are doing the things that God would have you to do as the Holy Spirit leads you and guides you. You are doing the will of God as the Spirit of God if you obey the Spirit of God, if you obey this Word, if you obey the Spirit, you're doing the will of God. I don't care what Jesus did. If he healed the sick, he healed the blind, he did this, he healed the man that was crooked. Understand something. He was doing the will of the Father. You and I through the power of the Holy Spirit, can only do the will of the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, Scripture says the same Spirit that was in Jesus also lives in us. And Jesus is the one who says, Greater things should you do. And in my mind, I'm trying to say, what are those greater things? Boy, what's the greatest thing we could do? Run through the hospital and, and, and just heal everybody and everybody's walking out. Run through the mental institutions and just heal every mind. To run into uh, blind centers and heal every eye. What could be greater? The greatest miracle in the universe is not the healing of one's sight is not the ability to give one the ability to walk is not even in a sense raising a Lazarus back to this life the greatest miracle is the miracle of salvation the miracle of really knowing Jesus Christ, our Savior. That can only really be done through the power of the Holy Spirit who convicts a sinner of sin as one witnesses and share with them. And the text says, the devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, let me Add something in here now. If you are a Christian who believes in God, Satan's tempting you. Tell this stone to become bread. And that's what Satan does to us sometimes. If you're really a Christian, God to take care of you. God to do this. God to do that. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 because we need to understand that we're going to have these up and down battles with Satan. But then God always gives us the victory if we're willing to be obedient and follow the Spirit in all these things. 
Is it? Oh boy. I'm looking for it and I'm trying to get there. Oh, oh, 10. Saying 1 Corinthians 10, is it? And 13. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. Listen to what it says. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. Nothing that Satan does is out of the ordinary. Why? God has limited Satan on what he can do to humanity. To any man who walks with the Lord, any woman who walks with the Lord, God has limited the temptations that Satan can put before that individual. Now he has many of them. And his chief one is lying and fear. But God says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. Follow on. And God is faithful. Who's faithful? God is. No matter what the temptation is, God is faithful that he's going to be there on your behalf. God is faithful to see you through it. God is faithful. And that's the part you and I have to remember. Yes, we may have to suffer for a little while. We may have to go through something for a little while. Yes, it can be a hardship that we don't want. But God is faithful. And what we have to remember is this. We are the clay. He is the potter. And he can make us and form us and use us however he wants to use us. We're here for his glory. And even in our death, we can glorify our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. By those who gather around our deathbed to speak of Jesus if we have the ability to speak. Why the nurses are attending us to speak of this Jesus, this wonderful Savior. Why the doctor is working on us to share this Jesus. While I'm in pain, I can share Jesus. And how I go through a trial glorifies God. Think about that. How you go through a trial. You glorify the Lord based on your attitude and who you're trusting in and where your hope is and what you're believing will glorify God. And he says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted, catch this now, beyond what you can bear. We don't know how much we can bear until we are tempted. We don't know what that breaking point is. But God says he will not put more upon us than what we can bear. Now, is that true or is that false? You have to decide. Is that true or is that false? That God will not put more upon you than what you can bear. And listen to the next part here. But when you are tempted, he will. Who? God will. He will. Also provide a way so that you can stand up under it. He provides what you need. Who's doing that providing? The God, the Holy Spirit. He's right there providing everything you have need of that not so much to remove you out from under the pressure, but that you can demonstrate the glory of God in the midst of the pressure. Boy, he's faithful. And here's Jesus now under pressure. I'm hungry. I'm hurting. Well, use your divine power. Speak to the stones and it will come bread. But 
regular, normal people, individuals like you and I, could not do this. So Jesus himself limited himself from using his divine power to show us that the Holy Spirit is more than capable. God is more than capable of keeping us, even in this time. So he he takes another step with him. And he says, the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instance all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all this authority and splendor, for it has been given to me only for a little while. He is the prince of the air only for a little while. He is the God of this world only for a little while. And he says, I will give you all this authority and splendor, for it has been given to me. Now, Satan says something very powerful there and very correct that has been given to him for a short while. Satan never says he created this world. Satan doesn't say he made anything. He said it's been given to me to rule over for a little while, to be the God of this world is being given to me. To be the prince of the air is being given to me. It's been allowed by somebody greater than myself. And Satan never brings out a point that he created anything. He does speak the truth there that has been given to me. And that's exactly what has taken place. God has given it over to him for a little while. But who's the real creator? God. And Satan never mentions that he created anything. And he says it's been given. And he speaks the truth there that has been given to him. And it's only been given though for a little while. And he said, it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. Now, that's the power that Satan has. And he uses that with man, that he gives men wealth, or he gives men this. He'll, he'll, he'll set people up, and he'll do it. But the thing with Satan is this. Whatever he gives, he usually always takes back, or he pulls the rug out from under you. Satan is a powerful foe, but he's not all-powerful. And he says, I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, here's the condition. Don't worship God. And many people have lost sight of God over wealth, over success, over something that they've gained of this world. And they think they've done it on their own. No. Every good and perfect gift, and I'm thankful that the scripture says good and perfect gift coming from above. Everything is not good. Everything you receive is not going to be beneficial to you. There's a lot of people that we can go back through in history that have gained much, especially in our entertainment world, in our basketball and football and in our sports world, they have gained much and they've lost it very quickly. They have given up families. They built up a good name only to see that name drug through the mud. They have destroyed themselves in many ways because Satan doesn't set you up for life. He only sets you up for a short time to bring you down. God says if you humble yourself under his mighty hand, he will exalt you in due time. He will lift you up. Satan doesn't do that. Satan captures your attention to draw you away from God. And the one who is here to keep us and keep us focused is the Holy Spirit. And he says to Jesus, boy, 
So if you worship me, it will all be yours. If you worship me, it'll all be yours. And Satan tempts us with different things of wealth. If you just lie, if you just do this, if you hurt somebody else, you'll get that position. If you degrade somebody else, if you tear somebody else down, never look to advance on the issue that you have torn somebody else down. You have torn down somebody else's character. You have belittled them. You have went behind their back and you are even spilling out things that at one point they may have been very honest with you about. But you undermine, you deceive them. That's all the work of Satan. You may gain a position because you undermined somebody. You degraded somebody's integrity or name. Yes, you may gain, but it's only for a little while. But you have lost honor. You have lost respect without the repentance and making a correction to a person in life you've hurt. And he says, if you worship me, I will, all this will be yours. I will give it to you because it's been given to me to give to whoever I so desire. Then he he hears Jesus' answer. It is written. And that's all the way through this time of temptation. Jesus keeps coming back. It is written. It is written. It is written. And oftentimes we miss the point when Jesus is saying, it is written. It is written. And we need to understand this is not written by man, per se. Written by the Holy Spirit, who carried men along to be able to voice the will of God by what they have seen and what they've heard. Go back to Second Peter <clears throat> chapter 1. I want you to come to verse 20, because when Jesus speaks, it is written. He is speaking about God's word that the Holy Spirit carries out and enforces. And Jesus uses the Holy Spirit words, it is written, that the Holy Spirit now has to interact in upholding what? God's word. When you use God's word, the Holy Spirit undergirds you. The Holy Spirit then takes charge. Why? He is the one who authors and also gives power to God's word and brings it to pass. Go to Second uh, Peter chapter 1. Come down to verse 20 and 21 with me. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture, no prophecy of Scripture, no scripture came about by the prophet's own what interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. This book is not the will of man. This book is not really the work of man. It is written by men who were obedient to the leading of the Spirit. And that the Spirit guided them through what was being written and put into Scripture. And he goes on and he says, For prophecy never has its origin in the will of man, but man spoke from God. Now follow. Man spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus is being carried along by the Holy Spirit, and he says to the enemy, to Satan, it is written. Well, what is written? God's word. And that's what we use. That's what we use when dealing with Satan. When we're dealing with temptation. When we're dealing with problems in life. We use God's word. And that prompts the Holy Spirit into action in our life. Because we're standing on an eternal word of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the words of God. We're standing there, unmovable, not being shaken, not being tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. We're standing right on the word of God and the Holy Spirit reinforces that word in us and he gives us everything we have need of in order to stand and withstand the enemy that we might be overcomers in Jesus Christ. And he says to Satan, didn't stutter, wasn't fearful to say it, wasn't doubting about it, will this work or not? He says, it is written. Can you say that? Do you know this well enough that you can say to Satan, this is the promise of God to the children of God. And speak that verse. If it's no more than greater than, greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world. Greater is Jesus. Greater is my God. Greater is the Holy Spirit in me than he that is in this world. Can you say that with full confidence? Can you say with full confidence? If God be for me, what is it that can be against me? Can you really say that and stand your ground? That's the work of the Spirit in our life. That is the work of the Spirit. Can you truly say that God will supply all your needs? It may not be all your wants. It may not be the best of something. But God is providing for you. He's allowing the raven to bring you your meal. God's providing for you. God is allowing somebody of low means to help you. Will you receive it? God is allowing somebody who don't have a doctor's degree to give you advice, but it's good advice. Would you receive it? See, you and I have to come to a place that the Holy Spirit can use anybody, anywhere, anytime to speak to us. And he can speak to us in our thoughts. He speaks to us through his word. And if Jesus would have used his own power, we are the first to say, I can't do that because Jesus only did it because he was God. Jesus lived his life, a sinless life. Jesus, all his works were done within the power of the Holy Spirit. So that he could remove all of our excuses of why we cannot live a Christian life in obedience to God. And therefore, the scripture reminds us we have the same spirit dwelling in us that dwells in Jesus.
Well, I want to thank you. I kind of lost track of time there. Didn't get through all that I wanted to get through, but I pray that God has spoken to somebody's heart. I, I, my prayer is that somebody will be encouraged. I pray that somehow you would see Jesus a little different, that he is God, yes. He is God in the flesh. But he chose not to use his powers because we don't have those powers. But he chose to depend upon the Holy Spirit to guide him and lead him and empower him in all the things that he did in his ministry. And again, may I remind you what Luke says in four one: He was filled with the Spirit. And if Jesus needed to be filled with the Spirit, how much more do you and I need to be filled with the Spirit? Well, God bless you, and I pray that, again, something that was said encouraged you. I love the Lord. I pray that you love him. I pray that your mind is made up. I pray that you know absent from the body is present with the Lord. No matter if you're living tomorrow or dead, you know where you're going to be. And I pray that you truly, truly know your Savior, the one whom you believe, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, God bless you. May God keep you. May you have a dynamic week. And may you be led of the Spirit and not of the flesh. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. God bless. Look forward to seeing you next week. Have a wonderful week. Bye-bye.